0: I'm Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. I've been a cop for 27 years. I like to say I got a backstage pass to life. Well, guess what? I got some tickets for you. So come on in, pull up a chair, turn up that volume, and let's go. Chasing Justice is on. Good afternoon, my friends, and welcome aboard another go-round here as we talk about what's going on in the world. We try and make some sense out of some things. We look at some cultural things. We'll talk about the world, what's going on in our country and what we can hope to see, what we might actually see as we go forward. So one of the continuing themes that we talk about here, chasing justice, what is what is chasing justice? What does that mean? I, I, I go over it every once in a while and I think it's good to update the definition every once in a while because it helps put things into perspective. I know it does for me as I'm looking through uh, news feeds and I'm looking through newspaper articles and and seeing what's going on to decide, you know, what is it I want to talk about? Because there are thousands of things we could talk about when it comes to justice. Well, chasing justice means just that. Chasing justice in the line of law enforcement. Chasing justice uh, in society. Chasing justice for individuals. Chasing justice to go after people who need to be held to account for what they do. And that's part of, of the whole idea of you know, chasing it because it's elusive. Justice you would think is not as elusive as it has become in recent years. You know, we, we are in a different country. I have posited in the past that I think the change everyone was afraid of coming has already come. It's already here. It's already uh, a different America. We're we're not going back to the America of your parents or maybe even of yours as a uh, younger person. You know, when America was that shining city on the hill. Now, could it it be great again in the future? Yes, I'm going to say of course it can. You know, that's one of the unique things about our country and us as Americans is that there is that exceptionalism. You know, the the whole idea of what America is and and why it was formed and and how different it was than every other type of government and and agreement between the people and the government is so unique in that, yes, I do believe it can be transformed into that once again. What it's going to take to do that? It's going to take earth-shaking, shattering kind of events to shake off all the stuff that's destroying our nation and our culture. Now when you hear me say that, you know, unless I'm specific, people can read into it what they want. That's, that's one of the things we do, right, as, as people when we communicate. The, uh, there's a saying about communication, why we can't get along, why we can't understand each other, why we don't have better communication, is because we don't listen to understand. We listen to respond. And that's really true. So if I was to say something, uh, people would respond to it and they would bring to the table to interpret what they think I mean, the words I use to try and either understand them or to twist them to what they mean or what they think it means and bring their own uh, understanding to it. So th- now this is a little bit of a of a far out example, but I think if you listen and you pay attention, you'll see how it, how it works. Recently a friend of mine said to me, "Listen, I'm writing a book. And it's a very personal topic that she's writing about and I think it's it's a it's a it's a topic that could be national. I think it's a topic that has not been delved into before, and I don't want to say what it is right now because there are people listening that might say, oh, that's a great idea. Let me do it. You know, you come up with your own ideas. The point here is that my friend came up with this and says, well, Joe, you've written four books. You know, you write uh, fiction, nonfiction, all that kind of stuff, articles. You know, would you mind reading this for me and giving me your opinion on what you think about it? Now, this is, this is the communication that I'm talking about. And this is what I'm trying to use this example to help us all understand about communication. So, right, we don't listen to understand; we listen to respond. So, if you wrote something, and and like this young woman did, and she's very smart, she's very talented, and she's but she's a new writer, she's brand new. So, while she's articulate or articulate, or she's articulate and she's smart, it, it's different to put things down on paper than it is to just tell someone an idea, just like it is being on this radio. Uh, You know, being able to speak to you and try and come up with cogent sentences and put an idea into perspective, it's like teaching. You know, I teach, I teach a lot of things. And over the years, over the last 15, 16 years, I've had to learn how to take a topic, uh, break it down into its constituent parts, what's important, how do you build one on top of another, and then go out and use that uh, that mechanism, that outline to teach, right? Because some things you need to understand the fundamentals of something first. So I, I like to often start with definitions. So if we're talking about uh, burglary, I like to define what a burglary is. And then here's the different kind of burglaries. And then, you know, because the, there are different kinds. There's regular burglaries. There are cat, uh, cat burglars. There are uh, serial burglars. There's tons of stuff, right? So you get the idea. So I like to do definitions, words and definitions. Then I like to lay out what it is we're going to talk about to learn whatever the topic is. And then we go. Same thing with a story. In a story, we have to understand what what story are we trying to tell, and then go about breaking it down so that the reader can understand it. So this, this young woman says to me, here's this topic, and here's what I wrote. And she gave me, I think, five or six pages of her initial, what she would think would be her opening of her book, where all this would happen, where she would introduce the topic, she would lay out the topic, make a case for why people would want to read it, and then it has to be interesting. You know, to, to read it, it has to be interesting and it has to provide information so that the reader comes away with... You know a couple of things wow i never thought about that uh that's really interesting i didn't know that before i need to look into this more and i want to read more that's the whole that's what you want that's what you hope when you when you uh do anything so my first book the interview is uh, it's from blue 360 media it's, it's on the platform here you can find it under the author stuff it is the be all and uh end all of how to conduct a thorough complete interview now, of course, it's in the. Uh, it was originally designed to be in the um, law enforcement world, you know, a criminal interview, but really the, the basics of conducting an interview are the same, whether it's criminal or whether it's anything else. So the book, the interview, lays out basically some ideas. Here's, here's the different thing. Here's human nature, and here's why people lie, and here's how we can overcome lies, and, and it's building from the ground up. So I think we get that. Right? I don't want to go on and on with it. So this young lady sends me this material and my response was to read it and then give her feedback. And here's the problem, when people don't listen to understand, they listen to respond. I find this with a lot of writers and it happened to me too, is that you write something and you think it's good. I got a good idea and you think you wrote it and you edited it a little bit and then you hand it to people to read. Uh, maybe to your friends, to your best friend. You hand it to a buddy, to a spouse, uh, to someone else that you're close with. And you say, hey, could you read this? And what happens almost every single time is that people will read it and then they will turn around and they will give you feedback based on what they think you should have written, how you should have written it, what you should have said, the order in which you should have said it. And most of this comes from people who have no experience writing whatsoever. And that kind of a critique is not really helpful. It it doesn't help us um, when we get that kind of information. All right, so as as we're looking at, at this whole idea of what information do we have, what goes on out there, I thought about that and I said, this young lady wanted my advice. So how do I give her advice? I said, listen, uh, a real critique is going to be about how did the story strike me? Did I find it interesting? Did I find that story interesting? Would would I want to read more about it? Do, Do you give me facts? Everything I've already described. And while she did do that, there were a lot of stylistic things she needed to deal with. She needed to explain the characters a little more deeply. She needed to explain the rationale for why she's writing the book and her experiences, which are absolutely genuine and could be life-altering for people who read this work. And as I advised her, because it is such a personal topic, the journey of writing if you really write, it will it will open you up to ideas you never thought of before, to things you never thought of, um, good and bad. And because this is such a personal topic, I had to give her a little caveat just so you know, there may be things here in this emotional web you're about to write about that you haven't confronted or thought about. And what can happen to you is that uh, this turns around and can snare you in, right? Can snare you in. So that's... That's basically the idea of, you know, people that they have things to say, they don't know what they're talking about. And I find that problematic sometimes. And, and it is problematic when we see, uh, you know, the whole idea of what is truth, what is justice, what is real. And, then, and my, my point about my friend, the writer, is that she writes something down. She writes a paragraph, she writes a thing, and people will twist her words and, and give her advice, and they really don't know what they're talking about. So one of the things, if you look on social media, you will see dozens and dozens and dozens of um, examples of people who have no idea what they're talking about, but yet they're, they have an opinion. Now, in America, we have free speech. You can have an opinion and be a complete idiot. You can be you can have an opinion and be a genius. You know, there's there's no stopping anybody from having an opinion. Uh, what we have to do is discern what are good opinions and bad opinions. So the whole idea here is that when we think about world events and what's going on, what is just, what is not just, you will have people bring all these, these opinions to, to, to the work or to the conversation that may or may not be valid. So when I talk about these dozens and dozens of examples, go on the internet and, and look at the Palestinian-Israeli conflict right? The war on terror, which is what it really is, the war on Hamas terrorists, not war on the Palestinian people. It's war on Hamas terrorists and the organization that is a terrorist organization that butchers uh, innocent people and destroys life. We we see thousands of people out there, young people, old people, and they're waving the Palestinian flags and, you know, uh, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, they're screaming and hollering. And You'll see these videos where somebody will go up to them and say, uh, hey listen, you're protesting here yes because the Israelis are killing innocent people and, and then they'll ask them a few questions well do you know where where is the country of Palestine uh, you know uh, it's over near Israel uh, it, it is Israel they have no idea between what river what river and what sea are they talking about oh um I'm not sure exactly. Maybe, is it the, is it the, the Red Sea or the Black Sea? I'm I'm, no, I'm not sure. They have no facts about anything, but they have opinions. And this is now, some of them, of course, have what I consider to be misguided opinions. Uh, not the Palestinian people. See, we gotta you know, make sure we're clear on that. The Palestinian people that want peace, wanna raise their family, uh, worship their God, and do that in peace with their neighbors, I don't include them in this. What I'm talking about is the Hamas terrorists, the Hezbollah terrorists, and any of the citizens who support ha- Hamas or Hezbollah as terrorist organizations. And find what happened on October seventh of 2023 to be resistance, uh, to be uh, legitimate attacks on um, you know their occupiers, um, is 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 misguided as the nicest thing I could say about it, misguided. And seeing these dozens and dozens of young people ask these questions, uh, what do you think about what happened on October 7th? Well, you get a couple of different answers. One, they'll say, uh, boy, that was really terrible. But... Uh, it could be justified for how they've been treated. And then you get somebody that says, uh, well, none of that's really been proven. We haven't proved that there was, you know, people were raped to death and murdered and, and babies were burned. There's no proof of any of that, right? And then the other people say uh, it's totally justified and that is a uh, that is a weapon that Hamas has to use to fight off the Israeli occupiers. So those are, you know, kind of the three groups that you see people fall into. But the reality is that, it doesn't matter to some people what the truth is and they're out there waving flags they don't even know what river what sea they don't know where palestine is they the the jews threw them out of their homelands and then you go well um do you ever hear something called the bible and they say yeah I Say, okay um where did the word jew come from uh from uh, i don't i'm not sure i don't know that's who they are no it came from judea that's where the jews came from and where is Judea and Samaria? It is in present-day Israel. Israel—that is the ancestral homeland of the Jews for, for thousands of years. You know, Islam came about in the, the 1500s. I believe that's when it was. Um, no, it's 600 years after Christ. So the 600, 700—I don't have the exact date. So, all you—you know—people who date people go don't go crazy. But I know it's five or six hundred years after Jesus Christ. We had. Um, the rise of Muhammad and Islam. So five, five years after Jesus. And what was Jesus? What, what, who, what was his background? Oh, he was a Jew. And where did he live? He lived in Nazareth and he lived in Judea and Samarian area, right? He lived in what was the ancestral homeland of the Jews in Israel. Now it's been many things over the years, but that they've been there for thousands and thousands of years. And that's their homeland. Um, It's as simple as that. But people don't understand it. They don't. They don't know the truth. They're fed these lines that the Israelis are occupiers. They're occupying Gaza Strip. Well, I think it's been pointed out five thousand times to people that in two thousand and six the Israelis pulled out of Gaza and left. Left it on its own. Go ahead, rule yourselves. Do what you want. And people don't understand that. They think. The the IDF the Israeli Defense Forces are sitting on top of uh, Gaza and in there controlling who, they, who can eat who can who can walk who can they're not that they're they're, they're self autonomous uh, what they don't have power over is the skies and they don't have power over the ports where things come and go because they would import in weapons that they would use against Israel if they could fly jets they would attack Israel so no, yeah they can't have airspace that is a consequence of the behavior not of the Palestinian people who are just trying to take care of their families, raise their kids and worship their God, but of the organizations that run uh, the Gaza Strip like Hamas. And they are constantly attacking Israel. They were given billions and billions and billions of dollars to build homes, schools, um, libraries, to build hospitals for the people. And what did they use that money for? They used the money to buy concrete, to build tunnels, to tunnel under Israel, to attack Israel. That's what they spent the money on. They didn't spend it on baby food and uh, hospitals and infrastructure. You know, Gaza could be a beautiful place. It could be uh, skyscrapers and a a tourist detain, and it could be millions of dollars for the people, but Hamas chooses not to do that. They choose to attack the Israelis and try and kill them. And therefore it's different. But my point being is that people can look at the same information and if they don't have knowledge about it they have opinions though they have plenty of opinions well i think it's i saw this this older woman older woman and she's on there and she says there's no truth to that at all the jews were never in that land they came in and took it over from from where where did the jews come from and take it over from from another israeli homeland and take over that one no they it was at, it was it was created in 1948 for, as a homeland a traditional homeland for the jewish people after what happened in world war ii and were there people displaced yes there people were some people were displaced were jews displaced all over the world they were Were people were were french people displaced when different governments took lands where the traditional French look what's going on right now there, russia is in a war with ukraine trying to take well they already took crimea now they're trying to take other parts of the country where they're saying traditional russian people live and they want to be a part of the russian federation not ukraine and they're claiming it this is this is not something new this has been going on forever this is forever you know i, I told you i have native american blood coursing through my veins from a couple of generations ago so I, I i look at that and i say well you know america is a colonizer came here and took over the land of the native americans and they did they came here native americans were here and the Uh, The the people from Europe came here and they fought with them and took over their lands. They absolutely did. They moved them. And some of the moves, the way they did it was horrific. My point being is that this is the way of humanity. Humanity does this all over the globe. Before the uh, European uh, settlers came here to the New World, there were multiple, multiple different um, Native American nations and tribes and groups. And you know what they did? They fought with each other. They killed each other. They took each other's land. They took each other's women and children. They murdered. They did horrible things to each other. You know why? Because they were inherently bad? No, because that's human nature. Same thing happened in Europe. Same thing happened in Asia. Same thing happened in every part of the world. That is human nature. And we can say that we should learn from it, but the point is is it doesn't make somebody good or bad. it's, it's, It's what it is. Now in our modern world, We can certainly look at that kind of behavior and say, we are enlightened now, and we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't, Russia should not be attacking Ukraine to take back land that doesn't belong to them. Um, Israel is defending itself, and I know I'm getting far afield here. My original premise was that um, people do not listen to understand, they listen to respond, and that's what we have. We have all these people with opinions, um, that don't know what they're talking about. They're misguided. They have bad information. Um, they have made-up information. They believe uh, sources that are not credible, and then they come out with their opinions, and they they take action based on their opinions. Uh, and I find that to be I find that to be sad for humanity. Uh, we know, we all can fall for for some information that we want to believe or we or think we know about. But the reality is when it comes to something serious, like what's going on in Israel right now in Gaza and um, the West Bank, is that people are, are dying every day, and that's a terrible thing. It is absolutely a terrible thing, and it should end. I agree, it should end. And you know how you end it? You know how you end it right now, like in the next two minutes? Here's how you end it, very simple. The leaders of Hamas, come out of the tunnels with the hostages that they've taken, the people they've kidnapped, women, children, elderly people, babies, that they've kidnapped back in October and have kept them in hideous conditions ever since, using them as pawns, leverage, right? Uh, On October 6th, there was a ceasefire there was no shooting going on. The Israelis weren't shooting at anybody. Gaza was running Gaza. The West Bank was doing West Bank. There was nothing. It wasn't until Hamas, the terrorist organization, decided to paraglide into a concert and kill hundreds of innocent Israeli young people, then go into the homes of of 1,300 people and destroy them, kill them, rape them, in their beds, in their own home, kill their children, the hor- horrific things, horrific things. And for you idiots out there that say, well, there's no proof, it ha- there's lots of proof it happened. It happened, right? That's like you idiots that say, the Holocaust never happened, it happened, right? And I, I could just tell you, without seeing a thing, I could tell you, because that's what human nature would do. Human nature would absolutely do that, so I know that this happened. Now, there is pictures, there are testimony, There are uh, there's evidence that I wish the Israeli government would show us. They ha- I, I know, We've seen a lot of recounts of people who have gone and actually seen, um, have seen the video of what happened and how the uh, you know the aftermath of the murders, the rapes, the the beheadings, the burning of babies. It's all on video. They have they have video of it. They have confessions from some of the Hamas terrorists that they captured. They have phone calls, recorded phone calls of some of the terrorists calling their parents to tell them how proud they should be that they just killed and raped 10 Israeli dogs, meaning the people, right? Um, They treat them like dogs, they kill them, they rape them. So there's plenty of proof that it happened. But you have all these people who have opinions without any information. So remember, uh, it comes down to really those three different things, people who think it happened, but they justify it and I don't know how you justify murdering babies and raping people Uh, or number two it didn't happen I don't believe that that's Israeli lies because the Israelis really kill and rape Palestinian women Um, right Or, or you have number three yes it happened and it's a legitimate tool for fighting so opinions ideas is is the idea of chasing justice would mean to find out the truth and understand so is it just for israel to do what they're doing to to continue at this months later still having this conflict well every single time there's a conflict and it doesn't start by the israelis lobbing rockets into gaza or killing uh people in gaza it happens when hamas terrorists or hezbollah terrorists or other terrorists or supporters of those terrorists fire rockets into Israel, kidnap Israeli citizens, kill them in their homes, uh, attack neighborhoods, or as in the most recent attack in October, cross the border and kill up to 1,300 people, butcher innocent people in their beds, in their homes with their children. That's what started this. Now, how many times How many times is Israel supposed to sit back and let that happen? How many times do we think here in America, if the Canadians came over the border and did that to uh, one of the upstate towns in New York, killed 1,300 people, raped and murdered? how How long do you think we would put up with that if that was constantly happening? Or if there were rockets being lobbed over the southern border into Texas and into Arizona, and kill, killing uh, American citizens, innocent American citizens, and then a, a wave of terrorists from Mexico came over and did all those horrible things to people in, in those uh, American states. How would we be justified in fighting back? How many, how many times would we have to deal with that? Well, that's what Israel has gotten to the point of they're tired of dealing with it, they have offered solutions time and time and time, no less than uh, Bill Maher, uh, who I, always, I often find him to be deluded in what he thinks about. He was kind of clear about this uh, in that, yes, the Israelis have offered peace to the Palestinians many, many, many times. But the, the bottom line is that the Palestinians do not want peace at least their leadership doesn't. Maybe, maybe the people living there who just want to raise their kids and worship their God and, and live their lives, maybe they do want peace. Maybe they do want a two-state solution where they can live side by side with Israel and raise their families and, and do the right thing. But the reality is the people in charge over there, they don't want that. They've rejected it every single time. Their only solution is from the river to the sea. From the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea that's what that means by the way knuckleheads who don't know Uh, they and what's in between there well Israel proper which means they want to wipe out Israel proper and take it over get rid of the Jews annihilate Israel and that is not just that is not justice Israel's not going anywhere so when we talk about chasing justice we, we do this in in many many different walks of life And when we look at law enforcement, when we look at cultural issues, we look at war issues, we look at these kind of things, this is what we're talking about. And when I see people listening, not to understand, but to respond, that's exactly what we have here. All of these, uh, what do they call them? Useful idiots carrying the Palestinian flags of terrorists who did these horrible things that I don't feel like recounting over and over and over again, carrying this flag saying, Israel should stop and back down. Well, they have no idea what they're doing. They're not calling for justice. They're calling for injustice because they don't really know. They're just simply responding to what they believe to be true. The Jews are bad. The Jews are oppressors. The Jews are colonizers like America, and therefore they're bad. And they have no idea what they're talking about. And that, my friends, is not justice. All right. Well, thanks for letting me get that off my chest. We will be back in a minute with more. We'll you out loud you've all heard dr mccullough and others share over and over the value of keeping your sinuses cleansed it's a smart move all year but even more so when we're cooped up inside it's not really open for debate any longer those that live smart and live well pay attention to nasal and oral hygiene cofix rx has just the tools for the job with our nasal and throat cleanse click the cofix rx banner on AmericaOutLoud.shop to get 20 percent off your entire order that's right, AmericOutloud.shop. Use coupon code OUTLOUD. That's coupon code OUTLOUD for 20% off your entire order. Use CofixRx because it works. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. ASEA believes that inside each of us is the potential to feel our very best our Redox-based products tap into reserves within you to power your personal well-being. Make our breakthrough products an essential step in fulfilling your greatest potential. ASEA, we power potential. For exclusive savings, use code Out Loud to save 15% off your first order today. Well, the year 2024 is upon us, and it is our chance to get it right and take back a free America. AmericaOutloud.news is your source for uncensored and factual news that facilitates truth and unity among all Americans to restore that American dream we have always cherished. Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud talk radio, liberty, and justice for all. All right, welcome back, everybody. All right, so I, I, I did get a little far afield in that that last, uh, in our last little conversation there. I, I really needed to, to probably think that out a little bit more, I'll be honest with you. You know, it's something that's been rattling through my head, I have my notes here and I was trying to bring it all together, but th- that's it, it. It is what it is. We we have to understand that you know having an opinion is fine, but make sure you know facts, right? And uh, not not knucklehead facts or liar facts. Get the real facts. Go do your research and find out. Is my point. All right. So if you're one of these people right now, my father-in-law Ted, number one fan of Chasing Justice and also number one fan of America Out Loud, uh, Ted is not feeling well today ted is not feeling well ted's 90 and a very healthy guy golfs all the time has his uh has his wine uh, he still drives very healthy man well he got a head cold recently and it really knocked him for a loop um matter of fact miss kathy got the head cold first and it it, it was pretty bad it's one of those ones that don't go away you know you got the, the nasally stuff and the throat didn't go into the chest it just stayed up in the head and a lot of a lot of friends of ours have it too uh pretty interesting that and it lasts for weeks and weeks and weeks you probably know people have it well now ted has it and uh he's had he's had a pretty tough time with well i had a figure since i'm with miss kathy every single day and i do give her the occasional kiss once in a while so we do uh, we do share air uh and uh and lips um i figured uh oh i'm gonna get this and it really hit her hard for quite a long time well i didn't get it but ted who comes over for dinner every night ted got it so I'm in the house full of the germs, and uh, I didn't get it. I said, why didn't I get it? Well, the only thing I can think of is that I take the uh, Healthy Cell Immune Boost, right? The Immune Boost product, and it has, it has kept me healthy for a couple of years now, uh, going on three years now. Uh, and Ted, you know, he started taking it. He stopped taking it. You know, he's an older guy. He doesn't always follow through. But I think after this, uh, I'm going to have to make sure he takes his Healthy Cell Immune Boost every single day. Um, because it's, it, it is re- it's worked great for me. Miss Kathy was taking it. She backs off. She takes it. She takes it sometimes. some time. She got to take it regularly and she could stay healthy. They also have uh, stuff for help you sleep, um, REM sleep product. And they also have the, uh, what do they call it? Focus factor. Help you think straight. Uh, I could have used that in the last, uh, in the last go round. right? To kept, kept my notes together. Healthy cell products. They're on the net. They're on the uh, network here. Take a look. All right. So. In the chase for, for justice, let's look at Mayorkas, Alejandro Mayorkas. He is the head of DHS, a cabinet secretary, and he has been impeached uh, 2013 to 2014. And it was on the second try that the Republicans could do it. So is that just? Is it just that he is impeached? Now, he's not going to be convicted because uh, the Senate is split evenly and the Democrats have the power to vote against uh, and not only that, we have knucklehead rhino Republicans who will not do the right thing uh, and and get rid of this guy and get somebody else. Maybe somebody's better. Now, no doubt, Joe Biden would appoint another very left-wing progressive knucklehead to take his place and continue the Biden administration's power. Remember, Remember when Trump was dealing with the Department of Justice and anything he did with them the the press and everybody went crazy and said don't you dare tell them what to do you better not get involved with the DOJ meantime here's the DOJ and all of the offices uh, under the DOJ including you know uh, homeland security cabinet secretary and you got FBI and you got CIA Joe Biden's involved all over with them, telling them what to do, talking with them, and not a word. It's, not, it's okay when it's the progressive left-wing lunatics doing it, but no one else better. And here's the bottom line for those people who are taking notes in your basement. Uh, the President of the United States has absolute control over the Department of Justice. The President of the United States can order the Attorney General to conduct an investigation into something. The president of the United States has the power to tell the Department of Justice and the Attorney General stop investigating something for any reason that they want, because they are under the auspices of the power of the president. They they operate at the power of the president. Now we think we think that in theory, the Department of Justice should be um, unbiased, and it should not be. It should not lean one way or another. It should be about what. Justice, right? The Department of Justice. All they should look at is facts and do whatever they have to do to uh, enforce laws and help to keep an orderly and just society. But we know that that's not how it works. The president appoints the attorney general. The attorney general then is usually loyal to the president in the same party, under the same beliefs, and therefore they, they act under that. Um, and, and that's just how it goes. But for for the realities that the president, like back in the day, Trump could have said, um, do not appoint a special prosecutor. Fire the special prosecutor. I would like you to do an investigation uh, into all of these Democrat senators to find out how they make 200000 a year and they got millions and millions of dollars and no other jobs. Let's, I order you to go look into that. The president could certainly do that. Uh, the, the press, the left-wing press would howl. They would lose their minds. So it's really not about justice. So let's get back to Mayorkas. Is it just that he, is it a tit for tat or is it just? Well, recently, uh, the president has admitted that the border is a is a mess. It's danger. It's a, it's a tragic uh, situation. All brought on, by Joe Biden's policies. He made all this happen. He inherited a very secure border, probably as Mr. Trump says, the most secure border we ever had. And I think he's probably right. Um, we had some people coming over illegally, but it was minuscule in numbers compared to what happens every single day now on the Southern border and the Northern border too by that, by that uh, reckoning. Uh, so it's all Biden policy that has made this happen. And we see that, um, this Mayorkas guy comes out and testifies under oath and says, no, the border is secure. Border is safe. Border is good. There's no problems on the border. He said that dozens of times that he's been up there. They they brought it to his attention. Well, how do you say, you know, well, 5,000 people came across the border yesterday. How is that not an open border? Border's not open. Border not open. And what they mean by that, you need, to cl- see, you need to clarify what people mean. So in the beginning of our get together, I was saying how I like to define things. Well, when we see when you and i consider a closed border we mean that means nobody can come across unless we let them in we open a door and they come through the door if we close the door nobody comes that's a safe secure and closed border that's what a closed border is it's closed you can't get in you know you come to my house you can't get in the front door because it's closed and secure if i open it and let you in then there's a doorway so that's how we define a closed and secure border How they define, and I mean our progressive liberal friends who want open borders, they want unregulated uh, immigration because they think these people are going to vote for them at some point down the road. That is the very simple plan. It's Occam's razor. When you don't understand anything else, the simplest answer is usually the right one. And that's all this is. They're letting in millions and millions and millions of impoverished people. They're giving them five-star hotels. They're giving them uh, visa cards with money on it. They're sending them wherever they want to go in the country. They're setting them up with the idea that at some point, we're going to have to say, well, you can't throw these people out. So we have to keep them here. And if we're going to keep them here, we should make them citizens. And if we make them citizens, they should be allowed to vote. So this is this, this is um, like most socialist, communist, um, uh, progressive, organizations, they they look the long run. They're not looking at today and tomorrow. They're thinking 10, 20 years down the road, right? That's what they're thinking. Like, uh, you know, the Chinese, they think 100 years in the future, 50 years from now, and they, they work towards those goals. Well, that's what our friends on the left are doing. Hey, at some point down the road, sooner rather than later, if we can stay in power, uh, we will legalize everyone. And then if they're legal, then they have to be allowed to vote. And then of course, the majority of them will vote for us because we let them in, we gave them visa cards, we put them in hotels. Uh, And that's what what they're trying to count on. They're trying to wipe out the American population's ability to govern itself and have uh, people from other countries come in, so that they can keep the Democrats in power. That's all this is about. This is not about you. This is not about them being kind and Republicans being cruel. None of that. That is, that is all That is all just things to say and do to hide what they're really doing. Now, it's hard that people don't believe it. No, you know, no, I don't, Mr. Biden, he's a nice old man. He would never, he just cares about people. No, he doesn't. He's lied to your face. He's told you d- how many times has he said, I never, I never had any conversations with my son about his business. I never had to talk to my family, I had no idea what they're doing in their business. And then we see dozens and dozens of pictures of Joe Biden dealing with his son's business partners on golf courses at dinners. We see, uh, Tony Bobulinski, who was his son's partner in business say, uh, yeah, um, Joe Biden was in on phone conversations with our business partners. Uh, he was the business. Joe Biden was the business. That's what everybody was buying into. That's why the Biden family has $24 million worth of money coming from foreign entities into the United States, into shell companies. Right? That's, why, that's why that happens. And I was there. I was a business partner. But nobody talks to him. We, they don't listen to him. He testifies in front of Congress. And where's, where's the news media? Tony Bobulinski is not a um, nameless, uh, hidden uh, whistleblower saying this. This is a known, named guy who was Hunter Biden and Joe Biden's business partner. And he's coming out saying, yeah, this was absolutely Joe. This is what Joe Biden did. This is what we did. This is where we got our money. This is how we did business. And nobody says a word about it. So we look at that and we say, well, that's, that's not just. None of this is just. Where's the Justice Department to step in and go hmm, I see smoke, we should at least investigate. Right, see, that's the thing. If you have, uh, you know, we heard uh, Donald Trump peed on mattresses with prostitutes where Obama slept and we, uh, we had a $40 million special prosecutor investigation over this nonsense. Uh, but here you have credible evidence of wrongdoing. Just the shell companies alone that are issuing checks to the Biden grandchildren for thousands and thousands of dollars. That alone shows the flow. Let me ask you this question for all my friends on the left who are listening. I know there's quite a few of you. Um, Does your family have uh, shell companies? One or two or three or four? Or how about 20? Does your family have 20 shell companies that foreign governments ship millions of dollars to you for nothing? Which is number two, question number two. What exact business, what business does the Biden family engage in? What is their business? Do they, do they develop real estate? Do they uh, create uh, satellites? Do they uh, provide um, uh, accounting consulting? Do they uh, help with understanding? Uh, do they make anything? Do they make widgets? Do they make hammers? Do they make hats with funny little sayings? What do they do? What do these 20 companies that they have do? Other than shift money around from these foreign entities that shovel this money to them, and then they shift it around these shell companies so that it gets lost and can't be traced, and then it ends up in beach houses. Well, Joe Biden never got any money. He never got any actual money. Um, you're either stupid or you don't understand. Joe Biden is the commodity that's being sold, he's in positions of political power as a senator then as a vice president and now as president so therefore he has a lot of clout just like the Clintons remember that the Clinton Foundation and people were sending millions and millions and millions of dollars to the Clinton Foundation only while Bill and Hillary were in positions of power once they were removed from positions of power the money dried up well why would that be if they're just doing good why wouldn't people keep sending them millions of dollars so they can do good No, they were buying influence. They were sending it to a foundation that the Clintons could uh, draw money out of, use it for their lifestyle, uh, you know, to do good, uh, living a very high lifestyle. But that money was there for influence. So the the country of Rababakistan gave them $20 million. Well, they expected something in the future for that money. Maybe they wanted to put a dam in Rababakistan. And uh, they needed American approval. Well, guess what? They gave $20 million. I bet you they would get that approval. That is how selling influence works. So my question number two, let's go back to this, my friends on the left. What business do the Bidens run with 20 companies? What business do they do? What do they make? What do they manufacture? What do they do? Well, there's there's nothing. There's, there's no Businesses that you can point to, no activities that they do, nothing that you can point, nothing that they make. So then, why would all of these countries around the world? Why would the 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 ex mayor of Moscow's wife write a three million dollar check to Hunter for what? Because she just likes him; he's a nice guy. Why would these other countries give? um jobs to hunter biden has no experience so he's but he's on the boards making eighty thousand dollars a month for the for burisma well that's that that's a lot of money that's uh you know a million dollars a year what is that influence for right this is a genuine question and if there's a legitimate answer and they can show me that they have a business that they have 20 businesses and that's why they need these companies and they make tailored shirts or they make uh, rubber duckies or whatever they make, and they can show me that, I would say, okay, well then I guess they're legitimate. But the reality is there's nothing legitimate about it. So all the people that sit there and say, Joe Biden never got any money, he never got any money. Well, you can do the math. He's been a senator and a vice president and a president for say 50 years. Uh, for the most of the time he was making, I don't know, maybe fifty thousand a year. Then it went to seventy-five, then a hundred. And it ends up, I think, as a senator now, maybe say two twenty-five. I'm not sure of the exact salary, but say two hundred twenty-five thousand, that's what they make. And he did that for and the vice president I know makes two hundred thousand, president's four hundred thousand. You add up all that money, and you might find yourself five or six million dollars over the course of, of all that time. maybe, maybe seven, maybe seven million dollars. How is it then they have the lifestyle they have? They don't have other jobs. Joe Joe Biden is not building sheds on the weekends for extra money. Um, where does where does the the beach houses come from? Where does the the millions and millions of dollars for beach houses, extra homes, the lifestyle that they live, all of this? Where does all this money come from? If it doesn't come from the government salary, the only job that you have. Where does that money come from? So I'm asking you, my liberal friends, do you have a beach house and another house and properties other place and millions of dollars in the bank for doing nothing? What do you think? Do you have that? No, I don't think you do. There's a reason that the Bidens have it and lots of other people in government. I'm not just pointing a finger at them. I'm saying lots of them get this money for influence peddling. And sure, they donate it to campaigns. They do all kinds of things, but they end up with millions and millions of dollars, which is one of the reasons nobody wants to leave when they get in the House of Representatives or in the Senate, because it's worth millions of dollars to your family, generational wealth to your family to be in government, right? So this is a reality and none of this is just this is, this is not justice. This is this is taking advantage uh, for who? For you and me. Um, and, and we see this. So we, we see people out there making excuses for Joe Biden. Well, Joe Biden never got any money. Although we did find one check so far, all right, one check made out to $200,000 to Joseph Biden uh, from his brother. And when questioned about it, the brother says, well, that was repayment of a loan that Joe made to me. So, on top of beach houses and everything else, Joe Biden has $200,000 to lend to his brother. Okay, F- from an investigator's point of view, I would say, here's what I would ask for. Here's the first thing I would ask for. I'd say, what was the loan for? And you would ask them separately, you know, because that's why you separate people. They don't have the same answer. Now, by now, they've probably made up a good answer. What was the $200,000 for that Joe Biden gave his brother? Uh, okay, they tell you it was to. I don't know, build a, uh, build a, build a wing on the, on the local convent. They wanted to do something good. Say, okay, so let me see your bank account when you got that $200,000. What form did that money come in? Was it a check? Right, so we can document it came from Joe Biden. Then he'd say, okay, Joe Biden, where'd that 200,000 come from that you loaned to your brother? Then I would say, well, where are the loan papers? $200,000 is a lot of money to loan to somebody. Now, granted, he loaned it to his brother. So maybe it was done on a handshake and people would say, that's ridiculous. Nobody would do it. Well, listen, when you live in a world of that kind of money, when you have more money, uh, $200,000 for people with millions uh, might be a handshake to a brother. Just like if uh, my brother was to say to me, hey, can you loan me $200? I wouldn't write a contract. I would just give him the $200 he'd pay me back. Right? It depends on your socioeconomic strata. So 200000 is not outside the window for them to say, no, my brother loaned me to 200000 and I paid him back. And I, but I'd want to see the check that Joe Biden wrote and I'd want to see it hit the brother's bank account. I want to see where it went. Then I would want to see, you know, what happened with the money. In this case, what we see is the brother writing a check to Joe Biden for the 200000 and the question is, well, what was that for? Why would you give Joe Biden $200,000? And it, well, that was the payback for the loan. Okay. So then you go into the bank account of the brother and you go, I want to see where that $200,000 came from. Now, it's funny, on the same exact day that he wrote that check to Joe Biden, his brother, Jim Biden, received $200,000 from one of these nefarious players. And then it was shuttled to Joe Biden. Isn't that Interesting. We see, again, Tony Bobolinsky. Tony Bobolinsky comes out and says, yeah, I was in on the meetings. Joe Biden said he never talked to Hunter's partners. He goes, I was Hunter's partner. He talked to me all the time. Uh, we had all these people, pictures of him with all these people. He was at lunches. He was on at least 20 phone calls with these uh, business partners and Joe just happened to pop in. Now, why would you just pop your dad in on your business meeting if your dad has nothing to do with your business? because he's the vice president of the United States or he's a senator and that makes him an influential person and people that want to buy influence want to know that you can actually produce the influence so they get him on the phone it's crystal clear investigators out there know what I'm talking about this is this is crystal clear so i'd want to see all the documentation where did the money come from how did it change hands what was the exchange i'd want to look at all these uh, shell companies and i'd want to see every dollar that comes in where did it go to you have to have documents for that right what were the t- taxes paid on all this money. Who paid all these taxes? What was the form of the tax payments? Have they paid their taxes, right? You have millions coming in, millions going out. One of the Biden grandchildren received money from one of these shell corporations. Why did the child get money? What was that for? What did the child do? The company just wanted to write the child? Did it write it to everyone, including the one they they wouldn't uh, agree they had for the longest time? Did that one, that grandchild get money? As an investigator, this is easily viewed as a very, very corrupt scheme to launder money, to hide money, to get money. It's, it's crystal clear. And you know what? I think a lot of our liberal friends out there that are screaming that Joe Biden never got money, he's no proof of anything, he's just businesses, blah, 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 blah. They're all screaming that. They all know it too. But you know what? It doesn't matter. They just lie. Because who is going to go actually investigate? Is the press investigating it? If you'd said Donald Trump ripped the uh, label off a mattress, every one of the left-wing news medias would dedicate millions of dollars and teams to investigate, to talk to the neighbors, to want to see the, the mattress company, to know the rules, to want to go through the garbage. They would, to find out if Trump ripped the label off a mattress. But here you have all this smoking evidence of absolute corruption and illegality. And the press just simply huddles around the Biden and says, there's no proof Joe got any money. There's nothing wrong here. There's just a family business. And you just hate them. That's not a free press. That is, that is, a, that is a press room uh, for, for, for the president and for the Biden family. So none of that is justice. And we started this out with whether or not it was just to get rid of Mayorkas. Well, Alejandro Mayorkas lied to the Congress, repeatedly saying the border is secure when it's not. Uh, The definition is what we were talking about. Our definition is a closed and locked secure border that nobody gets over unless we let them in. And their definition is, well, we take everyone's name that comes in and then we send them out to the country. That's secure. That's as secure it can be. They're not jumping fences. They're not running through rivers. They're coming over, crossing the border, and they're turning themselves in we write down their names, we know who they are, and then we send them out to different parts of the country. That is absolutely secure. There's nothing unsecure about that. It's definition. Is that just? Now we see a lot of these blue cities are losing their minds because uh, Governor Abbott in Texas, who has five million of these people to deal with and to feed and clothe and house and the people of Texas don't have the money for it, he's sending them to these blue cities that are sanctuary cities, we want you to come here until you get there then they don't want you because they can't afford it. But you notice none of them are, are withdrawing their sanctuary city status. They are still virtue signaling that they want you to come here as long as you don't actually come here, right? Uh, very interesting world. So Mayorkas has lied repeatedly that the border is secure because it's not secure. You and I both know secure means closed and locked out and nobody can get in unless we let them in. That's secure. The border is not secure. When you have over a million Godaways people who didn't turn themselves in, who didn't get their free phone and their uh, their trip to Los Angeles or New York or Chicago, <coughs> excuse me, they didn't stop for any of that for the visa card they could get why would that be why would a million people not just get all those goodies and be shuttled right into the country why would you want to run and hide in the desert and hope you make it through the night to find water and food and go find shelter with no money and nothing with your family why would people want to do that well Let's just say, well, they're really stupid and they didn't believe that they get to stay. That not, not that those millions of people are not calling home saying, now's the time, you better get here. They're letting you in, they're giving you a car ride, they're giving you food, they're giving you money. We have everything. If you want to come, now's the time to come. That they're not believing that. Um, maybe, that's, maybe that's it, they don't believe it. Maybe number two, they're just really stupid and they don't realize to just turn themselves in. Or number three, which I think is most likely, they're up to no good. They have some nefarious reason not to turn themselves in. Maybe they are trafficking people. Maybe they are bringing in drugs. Maybe they are terrorists and they're trying to get into the country, right? That's probably more likely is why someone wouldn't turn themselves in like everybody else and get all the goodies and the ride, three hots and a cot and welcome to America. Why else would you do that? Right. So that's not justice. And Mayorkas has been lying to us and lying to us and lying to us. Now, he's not going to be removed from office. He has been impeached. And that's historical. The first time, I think, since 1865 or something like that. But the reality that since the secretary has been impeached, but the reality is he should have been impeached, even if we can't get him convicted to stand for what's right and just. He has lied. He has put the nation in danger. Now, I heard the great one, Mark Levin, the other night make a great uh, rendition of High Crimes and Misdemeanors. You know, we're all looking for statutes that they broke. A high crime is if you put the nation in danger, if you did something to endanger the nation or the people, well, letting in millions and millions of people that we can't take care of, letting in a million Godaways that could be terrorists or bringing in drugs, which are killing thousands of Americans every year, that is a high crime. That matches it. That matches exactly what the the founding fathers meant by that high crimes and misdemeanors. And misdemeanors are the actual law breaking, you know, like we're seeing all over the country fighting with cops, having uh, stabbings, murders, drunk driving killings, all of the things that are happening to American citizens that would not have happened to them had all these people not been here. Now, as the caveat, I know many of them, probably most of them, just want to come here for a better life. They want a job and a home and raise their children in a better world. And I have sympathy for that. Unfortunately, we can't just have open doors and let everybody come in. You have to come in properly. You have to have some value to the country to come in. And right now we're not dealing with that. We're not having that. So therefore that's not just. Mayorkas should be impeached and I'm glad he was. All right, my friends, we've come to the end of this get together. There's a lot more to say. Enjoy your week. Pray for America, and we will see you down the road. Be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem.